Good morning and welcome to the Mike and Mike podcast or uh, Christians at work or whatever we're calling this thing now. Um, two guys bannering about scripture is essentially what it is. Uh, we are glad you're here. However, you found us, whether you found us uh, on YouTube or uh, through Podbean or iTunes store or however we're sharing this thing out there. We're glad you're with us. Uh, the basis of what we're trying to do here is my good friend, Michael Ray, and I um, are going to take the principles we learn from scripture and apply them to our business lives. Um, so our, our disclaimer that we give every week when we do this is that we understand the scriptural method, the, the scriptural principle, the spiritual principles are what's really important here. That's the most important thing. If you get nothing out of the rest of our podcast, but you find Jesus and find a relationship with him and your life is better. That's the most important thing. If you have that and you're trying to be better and trying to figure out how you can be a better Christian at work, these are secondary principles that we're trying to dig out and flesh out um, to learn from people that have been very successful in the scriptures uh, business-wise and people that have been utter failures. Um, so we're trying to do an autopsy on the failures, figure out why they failed and how we can stay out of that and uh, celebrate the successes and figure out what we can do to be more like them. Um, that's what we're doing here um, and, and what we're trying to do to be, you know, a benefit to you, however you found us. Uh, Michael has, has everything in Somerset this morning. You know, it's uh, it's wet and rainy, uh, but nice and warm where I am, all is well. Hope all is well in your world too, my friend. Absolutely. Um, and for those of you who are loyal listeners of ours, we're going to try to do something this morning that I'm not sure we're capable of. Um, and that's to keep this thing to about 30 minutes um, because I've got a meeting I've got to get to. And so we've got a hard stop um, coming up here in a little bit. So with- hard, hard stop. <laughs> quotes, hard stop. We'll see. That was, we're we're going to we're going to do our best. Um, so today, here's last week, if you were with us, um, we talked about and, and we just completely blew this. Um, some of you already know the story, but our title, I think, last week was you know, Ahab and working through problems. I don't even remember what it was. The title should have been murders and acquisitions. A hundred percent should have been, we blew it. Um, We're going to try better this week. Um, But we talked about how Ahab and Naboth's vineyard, how he went, murdered the guy in order to steal his vineyard and probably murdered his children too, is what scripture implies. And so that's Ahab trying to take over some land and Ahab's, you know, as we all know, scumbag and um, he murdered a guy and stole his land. Transversely, this week, we have a different acquisition. We have an acquisition um, between David and Ornan, or I'm not even going to, you can pronounce the other (laughs) name that he's given, Michael, if you want to take a stab at that. It's your Old Testament pronunciations. But we are in 1 Chronicles 21 and 2 Samuel 24. Michael, give us a little background as to where we are in the whole of scriptures, what's going on, how we get to this point where David and Ornan are discussing property. Uh, yes. So, you know, David, um, as, as his kingship of Israel, history will tell us happens about a thousand BC. And so, um, you know, I think everybody is at least roughly familiar with the, the reign of, of King David and, and where that where that falls in your scriptures. The, the, the specifics of this is um, this is this is near the end of David's reign as we get uh, to First Chronicles 21 or Second Samuel 24, as you know. And in fact, 
you know, and, and Samuel's kind of organized um, interestingly is that some of David's last words are in 2 Samuel 23, and then the author kind of tacks on this kind of some additional information in 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 chapter 24. Um, and and we, we see David in his old age as we begin the book of 1 Kings. So we're, we are we are at the toward the end of David's reign. And one of the things that kind of makes David so endearing, frankly, is even as an older guy, he he doesn't he he managed to trip himself up <laughs> um, and, and continue to make mistakes um, and be very penitent about those. But this this man after God's own heart continues to make mistakes even deep, deep into his reign. And so we see one of those, and we see one of those right here in this First Chronicles chapter 21, is that David decides to take a census. Now, why is that a bad thing? We can conjecture on that, but but that's what he does. At the, you know, and it could just very well be a, a pride thing, that we're getting near the end of his reign. He says, we've, we've been pretty successful here. We've conquered a lot of territory. Let's just see. Let's, uh, let's, see, how big our bar- let's see how big our barns are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... and First Chronicles 21 verse 1 says is that it's Satan kind of puts this in his heart to do this. So we know that this is a, this is indeed a, uh, an evil thing. Yeah. It, it, is it, it is a, uh, it, it's being really concerned about, about the bank balance essentially. Um, and so he, he sends out Joab, the commander of his army and cousin and, you know, consigliere. I don't know what the right term for <laughs> Joab is, but um, but Joab goes and does this work, takes him nine months, numbers of people. And then when he gets done, God is very displeased and he sends, um, uh, a messenger to David and says, okay, you, you, this is like when you come to your kid and say, you got, you got three choices for the punishment here. You can be grounded. You can have a spanking or whatever. Um, and so God comes to David and says, you got three choices. Um, you're, you're going to, uh, you're going to get three years of famine, three months on the run, or three days of pestilence. Much like your kid, David's not going to choose either. All those sound bad. And so uh, well, what he does say is, just don't put me on the run because I know God will have mercy, but men may not. Mm-hmm. Which is which is pretty wise in its own. Anyway. So, spoken from experience. <laughs> yes. So David has committed this error. And now, because of this error, the nation is going to have three days of pestilence. Now, you and I might think that there there is a particularly um, bothersome pack of gnats or something that's coming, or cicadas? maybe maybe I mean, cicadas. Have, have you seen the cicadas? Yeah, it's it's a seventeen year cicada. Uh, what we got coming is a little more than what we what we might call pestilence. This is not this is not the the mosquitoes are particularly thick. The angel of the Lord comes in and starts killing people by the thousands. Uh, so we know that the um, Samuel and the Book of Samuel and First Chronicles are united in that seventy thousand. Would masks have helped? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you you wonder how the angel of the Lord accomplished this, uh, but 70,000 70, Israelites die. This is not a minor thing. By the way, the census tells us that there was what nine hundred thousand or something. Uh, a million right, so you're, people. what are you, 8% there, CFO? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're taking a, like, this is like almost the literal definition of decimate, like one-tenth, right? Right. Um, so we, we've almost decimated the 
um, the nation because of because of what David has done. So all that is the backstory. The angel of the Lord is is you know wreaking havoc, and the angel of the Lord gets to this place um, in Jebus, where the Jebusites live. It's a, it's a place that the the nation of Israel called Jerusalem, and it's it's been several years now, but um, David and his mighty men finally kind of took over this site. This is this is really one of the last sites in Palestine that the nation of Israel finally subdued. You know, Joshua conquered most of the land, but the people didn't have the will to completely drive out all the Canaanites. And one of the places the Canaanites still had a stronghold, as odd as it sounds, was in Jerusalem. The Jebusites still hung on there. And and perhaps obviously that has something to do with the topography of Jerusalem or whatever. But it was it was David and his men and, and Joab in particular that finally kind of took over this 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 land in Jerusalem. So this is kind of a recent acquisition. There's still Jebusites in the land here in Jerusalem. The angel of the Lord gets right to this site, this site that we know now is very, you know, with, with the perspective of, of several thousand years of history, we know that this site is very important. But at the time, this is just the hill of the Jebusites. And so the angel of the Lord is, is coming to this very site. And, and God, I think it's important to note that God says first, um, God says, it's enough, stay your hand. That's in, that's in 1 Chronicles 21, uh, verse 15. He says that to the, to the angel. And so David, in some manner, and it's hard for us to truly understand, you know, is this a vision or is this what David's truly seeing? Or in some manner, David sees the angel of the Lord with his hand drawn with a sword here right above this site about to about to come down on Jerusalem and God stops it. Mm-hmm. So real quickly, how, how much does David know about the story of Abraham? It's unclear to me if David has, has connected these dots, but we can connect them with the, um, with the benefit of history in that this is the exact same location where Abraham was asked to offer Isaac. And so, you know, if you recall, Abraham's had a knife in his hand and it was drawn to kill Isaac in the same spot where the angel of the Lord has a sword drawn about to kill the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And in both cases, God stops that from happening. This is that site. This is a incredibly significant spiritual site. Um, Now, again, does David piece all that together? It's kind of hard to know, but if he does, it's pretty cool. Um, and David, uh, David says in verse 17, please relent from this evil. This is my error, not the people. But it's pretty clear at that point, God's already stopped. David is, is kind of pouring out his heart there. Um, but, but the plague has, has stopped. Okay, all that being said, this site, now this, this site that is now sp- significant to David, it's obviously biblically, historically significant. It just so happens that this site is a threshing floor of a guy named Ornan, who is um, a Jebusite. Interestingly, the parallels between this story and the Ahab story are, are pretty shot, pretty striking. It's a it's a uh, Israelite king desiring property of a non-Israelite, um, at least I think a non-Israelite um, property owner, and. Uh, and so, and so David 
goes to Ornon and we have this negotiation. So I, I've, I've rambled on enough, but that's how we get to this negotiation between David and Ornon. All right. So here's the, the, the principles we want to kind of talk about. So first, let, let's talk about just very quickly the overview of, of the transaction here. So David comes and you know, the angel of the Lord is there, as Michael described, you know, the angel of the Lord's there, God's there. Ornan somehow sees the angel of the Lord. You know, so again, we're 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 at an intersection and, and this happens infrequently in scripture, but but you have an intersection of the physical world and the spiritual world going on here, right? So you've got the angel of the Lord with his sword over Jerusalem, so spiritual world stuff happening. And David gets a glimpse of it. David and his men get a glimpse of it. They fall on their faces. And, you know, there's still not this interaction because the angel of the Lord goes through the prophet, right? And he tells Gad, go tell David what he needs to do here. David's begging God, which I find is also kind of, you know, ironic here. God, relent, let this be on me. But God had already relented a couple of verses ago. You know, David's a little late to the game with, with what he's trying to do here. Um, but I think that the, the sentiment is there. David, you know, is trying to save the people. Very, very interesting, too. And there's there's just so much spiritual stuff here, um, which, by the way, this will probably be the sermon Sunday morning in Danville um, with some of these spiritual applications. But it's funny that that David, to me, what's the analogy he uses, Michael, for the people that are there? A sheep. Sheep. Is that, is that where you're going? I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. And remember David sin with Bathsheba, the poor little you lamb, you know, it's just very interesting that innocence David is, is calling upon a similar reference for, for innocence and they're innocent. Let this be on me. So he, he goes to, to Ornon and says, Hey, look, here, here's, here's the deal. I, I'm going to build an altar to God right here. And, here's the spot that I need in order to do that. And Ornan's like, great, you can have it all. So it's not a great negotiating tactic on Ornan's part. Um, you know, he's willing to, you know, give it all up. Now, the, the first business principle that, that, that I want to address here is that there is, in, in my opinion, and, and I think Michael will back me up on this, there is both a good guy discount and a jerk premium in negotiations. No question. If you're a really good dude, you got a really good reputation, you run a really good business, you're going to get a better price, in my opinion, when you're trying to acquire something, than if your reputation is you're a jerk and you know you're going to come and put, you know, a brothel and six temples to bail on my land. You know, what you're doing and your intent of the property you're purchasing matters. Right. It matters. Is that going to be good or bad for my neighbors, for my community, for my family? I think there's a there's a discount and premium mechanism to those types of things. And I think that's why no matter what Ahab was willing to pay, it was not enough for Naboth's venue. But David was given the, you know, I don't know, the ultimate discount of you're going to have it all like I'm good. I see the angel of the Lord. I'm all in on this. You can have it you know, I'm happy to be a part of this. Yeah. And, and completely agree. The flip side of that is David didn't take advantage of the situation. Um, 
in the way that he could have. So if you look at this from Mordon's perspective, the first thing he sees is an angel of the Lord with a sword drawn and his kids go scattering. And the second thing he says is David comes up and says, hey, can I buy your threshing floor? Now you put those pieces together if you're Ornon. It's like, yeah, you can have it. I don't know. What do you, what do you want? Just let me, let me get out of here with a few shekels in my life and I'll be, I'll be great. Um, Not even really the shekels. Let me get these boys and let's run. Yeah. So, um, you know, that had to be, again, if you think about it from Ornon's perspective and what he has seen, giving David this threshing floor is quite literally probably the least of his concern. I mean, he, he has, there, there's probably some recognition at this point that the angel of the Lord has just spent three days um, wreaking havoc all over uh, Israel. And he literally sees it. It would have been very easy for David to take advantage of the, of the situation here. Ornon offers him the threshing floor David says, you know, that sounds like a good deal to me. And, and, and suddenly the, the temple of the Lord, which is where we're going to get to, you don't mean to step on the punchline, but, but the temple of the Lord is, is built on this place that was kind of taken in, in a, in a transaction where someone was taken advantage of. Right. Well, and, I, and, yeah. and much, and much like David's ancestor, Abraham in the cave of Machpelah and, and all that, David just kind of refuses for that to be the manner in which this transaction goes down. Yeah. And I'm convinced it doesn't go down that way. If he were to try to take advantage, the angel probably finishes the swing, right? Like this, God's not going to allow that stuff to happen. He gave David an opportunity to do the right thing, but if David wouldn't have done the right thing, we would have gone in a different direction here. Um, So that that's the other thing. So economic principle one is there is a, good guy, good, um, you know, future benefit, whatever, when you're doing good for your, you know, yourself and other people, um, I think you get a discount. If you're a jerk, you pay a premium. So that that's business proposition. Number one in, in acquisitions business proposition. Number two is there's no such thing as a free lunch. One of my favorite economic principles I learned, you know, I think at econ 101, is there's there's no such thing as a free lunch. What that means is is that there is a cost to everything. You know, if you go to lunch with somebody, especially with a salesman, and they're buying your lunch, your cost is you're gonna hear the pitch, right? You 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 you're stuck hearing the pitch, and you got to spend time with somebody you may or may not like. So there's a cost. You know, however we define that cost, there is a cost to that, and some costs we are willing and should pay, and other costs we should. And so what, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that David knew that it was too great of a cost to take advantage of Ornan, that that was a cost he couldn't pay. He couldn't say, yeah, we're going to take this for free and it'll be great. The cost of the spiritual cost of that, the ethical cost of that, the moral cost of that was way too high. So David said, no, we're going to pay you fair market value because that's what's right. And so we got to understand that, you know, David could not have got, there's nothing that's free, right? David could not have got this land for free. There was moral, ethical, spiritual cost that was far greater than the, what we decide that it's 60, 50 shekels of silver and 600 shekels of gold. So it's, you know, it's both. If you're back and forth very, very quickly, if you're back and forth between first Chronicles and second Samuel, there's two things being purchased in the transaction. One is the sacrifice and materials for sacrifice. The other is all of the land 
that ends up being where the temple sits ultimately. Um, so it's, it's a, it's two purchases, not just, just one. So there's, there's a little confusion if you're reading those verses side by side, but you got to understand the cost going into a deal and ripping someone off or taking advantage of someone, there is ethical, moral, spiritual costs that are more than you want to pay. Yeah. It's clear that David already, um, you know, the, when, when Gad, which is kind of David's seer comes to him and says, buy, buy this, uh, um, raise an altar to the Lord at this site. I think that's what Gad says. He doesn't tell him to buy it, but just says, raise an altar to the Lord at this site. So God gives David the direction that there needs to be an altar here to kind of commemorate this, this stoppage. But it's clear that David already has in his mind something a little grander. In First Chronicles 22, verse 1, you don't have to go very far, see that David says, here shall be the house of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering for Israel, that, that it, he already kind of was putting the pieces together in his mind that this is where the temple ultimately uh, wanted to reside. And so both for the, the significance of this altar and the significance of, of the temple, David says very clearly, I mean, we don't have to, uh, we don't have to try to divine what <laughs> David is thinking because he tells us, uh, verse 24, I will buy them for the full price I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a significant sight out of something that I took advantage of you to get. Took advantage of your fear or or your being overwhelmed or you know the moment just like you later may regret that you gave me this because of the fear and the the, the size of the moment and whatever. And, and we're, neither one of us is going to, neither one of us is going to um, regret this later that I'm going to give you the full price. Um, I'm going to buy the, not, not just the threshing floor, but the entire site that, and uh, I think there's significance to that. And it says that in verse 25, 600 shekels. Um, I, I don't know what that is, but I did see something that says the half million bucks. And so this is a, a in today's dollars. So that's a, this is a pretty significant land purchase. Um, and it, it's, it should have been something that Ornan and his family would not look back on and say, you know, I was spooked by that angel. And, and David, really took, David really took advantage of that situation and the emotion of it. Um, that, I think that's a, that's a pretty... It's a pretty good tale on David's character. Yeah, we I can't remember if it was the last podcast or the one before, but we got into some of Michael's granddad's quotes. And uh, one of the ones that are on the wall down at the, the modern facilities is, it's not a good deal unless it's a good deal for everybody. Um, one of my, my favorite quotes that, uh, that that's around down there. But that that's essentially what's happening here. You know, David's saying, look, this has got to be good for you. You know, we, we, we can't, you know, get into a spot where it's all one-sided to me. And, you know, later you regret it, later you come back. And now the, the future site, because, you know, again, as Michael pointed out, David's already thinking ahead. This is where I'm going to put the temple of God. Remember, David always wanted to build the temple. God wouldn't let him. It didn't stop David from planning for it, right? David wanted that. And he said, here, this is where it's going to go. Um and so, I mean, imagine fast forward, you know, 50 years when Solomon actually goes to construct the temple and there's a uh, deed claim 
right? You know, you know, you, when you're doing, I don't know how many people listening to our Top, podcast ever full transactions, but you know, when you do a title search, right, for a piece of property that you're buying, you might find a mechanics lien on there or somebody, you know, disputing your ownership of said property, unpaid mortgage, unpaid liens, whatever. And the last thing you want to be is, you know, you got our boys coming down from Hiram in the mountains to start laying the foundation and here Ornan's kids and grandkids show up and say, wait a minute, you cheated us out of this land, right? That's the last thing you want down the road. So David makes sure that this deal is right. And the, you know, again, the cost here of half a million bucks plus the sacrifice, you know, it's another, you know, again, depending on the weight of silver and all that jazz, you know, maybe another 50 grand or something um, for the sacrifices. So, I mean, it's a significant amount of, of money that David is placing in, in Ornan's hands here. Um, but he's doing it because it's the right thing to do. And he's doing it to make sure that at the end of the day, everybody feels good. They walk away feeling good about this transaction. Yeah, it, you know, as, as the king, David could have gone about this in a very different way. And, you know, we, we could certainly find many examples in scripture of where kings of Israel, Judah, or Syria, or wherever conquered land and acquired property in a very different way. The uh, point of a sword. So, so David uh, intentionally acquired this land in a different way um, and, and ends up being a, a, a very significant piece of property. The, the, you know, the very, very simple business principle here, and I don't, I don't mean to, to get down to first grade, but the very, very simple principle here is that, you know, price, what something is worth is, is very dependent on who the buyer and the seller are. That you get, to, you get to Ahab and Naboth, it was just worth more to Naboth than it ever was going to be worth to Ahab. And that's why they were never going to come to a financial transaction is because of the family um, history involved. Um, and there was some legacy there for Naboth. It was just, it was just worth more to him than it was to Ahab in that, dollars. That's the, the definition of priceless, right? We, yeah. This is a priceless work of art, or this is priceless. That The reason it's priceless is because there's not an amount of money that makes it valuable to me. You know, and that's what Naboth, look, Naboth looked at. This is my family. This is my legacy. There's no amount of money that can carry that intrinsic value. That's what, what makes things priceless. Um, so I think that's a great point. And in, in this example, because of the spiritual significance of what David sees going on, and perhaps because of the Abraham tie or whatever, this, this site is worth more to David than it is to Ornon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's why transactions happen. <laughs> like this cheeseburger is worth $5 to me, and that's more than it's worth to you, McDonald's. And that's why... That's why we have a transaction. That that is the basis of every business transaction. It's just worth more to me than it is to you. And so, you know, that that real simple principle kind of you, you see that played out in these two accounts that we've kind of done here back to back. And and I think that's interesting. Obviously, the way Ahab reacts um, is very different than the way David reacts. And you see the character of those kings in, in the negotiations. But you know, just 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 how how price works and how we need to think about negotiations. I, th- I think there's a, a business principle hidden in those stories. Yeah. And the, the, the spiritual principle that's there too. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the true, you know, again, not to 
bore anybody with economics 101, but the value of anything is what somebody else is willing to pay for it, right? That's how you determine value. It's, you know, this is worth only what somebody else will pay for it. Now, again, now we think about that and we apply that spiritually, you know, what does that tell you about what our value is given what God paid for us? You know, when you apply it to this, you know, David saying, Ornon, you know, I'm going to give you fair market value. You know, this is worth X. And I don't know whether David had a list of comps of mountains that had sold nearby recently or what he had, but he said, you know, this is what I believe fair market value is and full price for what you have. Um, and, and we look at, you know, again, in our relationship with God, that it, it's not based on what we can do for God, it, which is the, the very interesting part about this, but it's, it's really our appreciation for God based on what he was willing to pay for us. And quite honestly, the more you study and the more you understand, we weren't worth it. Like God, I'm pretty certain God got ripped off in that deal. He paid a lot for something that didn't have a tremendous amount of value, but yet that's God looked at us and said, I want them. And the cost of sin is the death of Jesus. And so because he was willing to pay said cost for us, we belong to him and we've got this price tag attached at the last we were bought for. So, I mean, that that's, we should feel good about that. I mean, as, as, as much as we feel bad about some of the mistakes we make, we should feel good that that's what we're worth and that's what we were purchased for. So, you know, again, back to those, those economic principles, something's worth what somebody else is willing to sell it for, but also what the other is willing to buy it for. Yeah. Humbled is the word really that comes to mind rather than feel good about it is, is because, because you're, as you said, aware of, of, of what we're actually worth or what we feel like we're worth and then recognize what, what was actually paid for us. So the, the study of what's the economic value of a soul is, is a, uh, is a pretty humbling experiment, you know? Um, so I, I, I co-sign all of that. Yeah. And some have sold it for porch or less or less. Right. Um, so, we got just a few minutes left. Um, to we could be finished. We could be finished early. What, what, what are we? What are we even doing? So, very, very, very last one. Um, David recognized that without a cost, without investment, without sacrifice, you really can't have gains. Um, and, and I think that's another principle we've got to. And, and and where I I love to kind of leave us on today is that idea that, you know, without sacrifice, if it doesn't cost me anything, it's, it's not really valuable. Um, whatever that is, you know, I think when we understand, you know, the cost that we've put into something, we value it a lot more. Um, you know, and, and, and when we put in that hard work, that effort, that energy into something that is ours that we built versus something that was just given to us, there's a difference. There's a difference in, you know, companies that were built through, you know, family generations, the first generation that what's the, the, the statistic, I always hate to quote and talk about the statistic with Michael, because he's the third generation. But most family businesses fail in the third generation. And why? Because the third generation inherited the first generation, got it off the ground, the second generation builds it up, but the third generation doesn't remember the lean times, and it was handed to them. And that's why they fail. And so, it, it, again, there, there is in that cost and that effort and that work and that sacrifice, that's how we 
we really have success is when we understand what it costs, the work that goes in to producing that, you know, nickel, that's valuable and that that's huge. And anything that's just given to us or anything that we don't earn truly ourselves is never worth it. Well said. Um, And, you know, there, there's, you know, the, the corollary there is that some things that are, uh, that are free are very valuable from a spiritual sense. Um, and so, you know, I, I'd have to, you know, sit down philosophically and, and think that one through. I, I, I completely agree with you in the, in the, in the physical sense. And it's the same way with your, your kids or with, with anything is that, you know, why do, why do kids have an allowance and you make them spend their own money? And so they, so they kind of understand those ideas of, of value and that, that things have costs. Um, and, and then you, you know, again, if you contrast that spiritually, it just, again, it's very, very humbling um, about, about what the, the cost that we, that we don't have to pay that, that, that we deserve to pay. So uh, anyway, don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole, but, but co-sign completely. Again, we're, we're going to cut it off because we got a hard stop. Thank you all for, for tuning in with us. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the contrast here between uh, the murders and acquisitions of Ahab versus, you know, a true spiritual godly uh, acquisition here with David and Ornan or Oran or Aranth. I, I don't even know how to say this guy's name, so I'm sure I've butchered it a bunch and we may get some some comments about my terrible vernacular here, but it's okay. As long as you get the the moral and the principle of the story, and hopefully it helps you be better um, tomorrow as you go to work, um, understanding some of these principles to to just try to be a little bit better um, tomorrow than we were today. And that's the goal. I think every single day is is to try to get there. So thank you for tuning in. We'll try to do this again um, next week um, and try to keep uh, some ideas in front of you and give you some things to think about. So thanks for being here. We'll sign off.